If you remember your Bible history, you go back to when Moses called, or I'm sorry, God called Moses to go get the Israelites out of Egypt. Moses says, who do I tell them is sending me if they ask? And God says, I am who I am. And that's what you will tell them. I am has sent me. Some of the statements Jesus uses in the book of John, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. And there's several others. Here we find him saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I believe that of, out of all the I am statements that he makes, this is the most powerful, the most complete explanation of who and what Jesus Christ is. In verse 1 he says, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. See, he just got through telling the disciples that he was going to be leaving them and one of them was going to betray him. And that was very difficult for them to, to accept. So in essence, what he's saying to them now is, relax, chill out. You're okay. He says, trust in God. Trust in me, because I am God. Don't let the troubles of this world get you down. He goes on to say in verse 2, In my Father's house are many rooms. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. Now, we don't really know for certain what he means when he says this. kind of sounds like each one of us will have our very own special space prepared by Jesus. But we just don't have enough information to know that for sure. But one thing I do know for certain, if Jesus Christ prepares a place for me, I don't care if I have to share it with five million people, it will be the most awesome place you could imagine, right? Could it be anything else if Jesus Christ is making it for me? Wow. What a promise. What a thought. I mean, think about how you make your home your own. You know, you buy the furniture that you want, you arrange it the way you want, you paint it the color that you want, or whatever your wife wants, I guess. <laughs> but you make it your own. Now imagine it being your own about 100 million times better than what you could think of. It's mind-blowing if you really think about it. Verse 4, he tells the disciples, you know the way to the place where I am going. And of course, we know that he is talking about going to heaven and being in the presence of God. But the disciples didn't have that whole picture look that we do today. And they were really kind of clueless. And Thomas just flat out says, we don't have a clue where you're going. How in the world can you expect us to know how to get there? To know the way. And I think we can be pretty certain that when Thomas said this, he was speaking for all of the disciples, but he was the only one brave enough to speak up and say, I don't know what you're talking about, Lord. In John fourteen six, Jesus answered him by saying, I am the way, 
and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He's saying, I am going to the Father and no one else can get to the Father unless they know me. So you don't, so you do know the way because I am the way and you know me. I am the way to the Father, not a way, not one of many ways, not one way you can take if you like to go in that direction. I am the one and only way to the Father. No one, absolutely no one can get to the Father except through Jesus Christ. Jesus is the one and only way. Philip goes on and says, Lord, show us the Father and it is enough for us. Jesus says, look at me. Look at me and you are seeing the Father. He is in me. I am in him. We are one. Totally separate. Totally the same. If you've known me, you already know the Father. From this point on, know beyond the shadow of a doubt that I am God. God's word tells us that a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. And the two will become one flesh. For those of you that are married and know what this is talking about, it is... Absolutely awesome. But there's a little twist here because Jesus and God and the Holy Spirit, three, are all in one. They are one being, totally separate and all together. We're going to talk a little bit about this later. Verse 10, Jesus says, The words that I say to you, I do not speak of my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. The words of Jesus are not just his own. It's not something he made up. He says it comes directly from the Father. See, in Jesus' time, the religious leaders would, would, excuse me, were distorting God's truth Basically, to suit their own needs, to suit their own purposes. They twisted the words of God. And today, the same type of thing is happening all over the world. Religious leaders are telling people that there are all kinds of ways to get to heaven. That it's okay to live your life in sin. And you can still get to heaven because God loves us. He wants the best for us. He wants us to love everybody. Denominations ordaining homosexuals. Not people who used to be homosexuals, people who are actively practicing homosexuals. And I use homosexuals because that is one of the most prevalent, one of the most popular lies out there. Prevalent, that was the word I was looking for. One of the most prevalent, and it has become a fire. There are churches that are lying to the people. I was on a website this morning called gaychurch.org and it flat out said that in the New Testament, the word homosexual is not even found. God wants us to love everybody. 
He, it said that the Bible basically says that homosexuality is a good thing. If you want to find something really disturbing, go to Google. Type in homosexuality is a gift from God and you will be amazed at what comes up. After I thought about it a little bit, I actually wanted to go to this website and post this next verse on there. But they don't allow you to do that. There's no arguing with them. You can't say anything on their website. Because they don't want people to have any question in what they're saying is true. Even though we know it's not. God tells us what the truth really is. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. It says, Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revelers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. The list of people who will not inherit the kingdom of God goes on and on and on and on and on. Anybody who's living their life in sin and choosing not to do anything about it, they don't care what God has to say. They care about doing what they want to do. Those people will not go to heaven. Paul says, do not be deceived. Know what the truth is. I don't know that anyone has ever done research on this, but I believe wholeheartedly if you did a survey in the Christian church, that a large majority of people who attend a Christian church never open their Bibles outside of Sunday morning. I know I used to be one of those people. I had no reason to. I got what I needed on Sunday. We need to know what the truth is. How can we possibly know if we depend on someone else to tell us what it is? People wonder how people get caught up in these lies because they're just searching for something. But they're not searching hard enough that they want to put the effort into it. They want someone else to tell them what the truth is. And if it works out good for me, then hey, yeah, I like your truth. Your truth is a lot better than their truth. Let's go with yours. We need to know what the truth is. We have to read it for ourselves. Jesus says in verse 10, the words I say to you aren't just mine. They come from God, the Father. A joint relationship. Sort of like what a husband and wife would say to each other. What's yours is mine, and what's mine is yours. However, my wife says, what's mine is hers, and what's hers is hers. I don't touch. And she should be watching. I love you, honey. You know I'm only kidding. Verse 12, he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, 
And greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. And I've talked to you before about what it means when Jesus says, ask me anything in my name. It's not a way of closing your prayer. It's not like putting a postage stamp on your prayer to make sure that it gets to God. He flat out says, This I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. It's not, please help me, God, to get the promotion, to get the new job, to get the new house, to get the new TV, to be better than my neighbor. If it doesn't glorify God, it is not in Jesus' name, no matter how many times you say it. It has to be in accordance with his will and his purpose. And what is Jesus' purpose? To bring glory to God the Father. He says in verse 13, Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Not in accordance with his will and purposes, then it's not in his name. And saying it in his name doesn't make it come true. You can say it over and over again, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. If it's for me and only me, it ain't in Jesus' name. You know, the truth is God answers every prayer. Sometimes we just don't like hearing no. So we say, well, I've been praying about it, but God hasn't answered yet. Yes, he did. He said no. That's why you don't have it. But we say, I'm waiting, I'm waiting, I'm still waiting, I'm still praying. And sometimes that's okay if you're praying for the right thing. If you're praying to glorify God. But if you're praying for selfish stuff, you probably already got your answer. And it's probably not, just wait, it's coming. It might be no. We have a hard time taking no for an answer. Matthew 6.33, Jesus says, Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Then everything we need will be given to us. Not everything we want, but everything we need. In order to seek his kingdom and his righteousness, righteousness, we need to know his truth. Jesus says, I am the truth. Because I am the word of God. If we do not know the word of God, we will never know the truth. Jesus is the one and only truth. We usually focus on Jesus as the life and the fact that he's given us eternal life. After we die, we leave this world And we go to heaven, and that's great. We should focus on that. It's an awesome promise. But we also need to focus on the fact that Jesus gives us life not only after we die, but right here and right now, in this life. He says in John chapter 10, verse 10, The thief 
comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. And he's talking about now, right here, right now. John 14, 23, he says, If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. My Father will love him. We will come to him and make our home with him. That, my friends, should be everyone's ultimate goal. The grand finale. Kit and caboodle. That's what it's all about. The creator of the universe wants to make his home right here in my heart. He wants to live with me. What more could anybody ask for? He's already promised us heaven. But he wants us to have heaven on earth, the kingdom of God, right here and right now. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9.24, Do you know that in a race... All the runners run, but only one gets the prize. Run in such a way as to get the prize. That's the prize Paul's talking about, the gold medal. Jesus says we will come to him and make our home with him. The kingdom of God is here, now, right here in our hearts. First Corinthians 6.19 says, Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? How many of us treat our bodies like the God's temple? The things we let in, the things we let out. Do we really Treat it like God's temple? I'll be the first to say no. But if we started thinking about it a little more like God's temple, maybe we'll do a better job of that. Luke seventeen twenty. This is from the NIV. It says, Once having been asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, The kingdom of God does not come with your careful observation, nor will people say, here it is or there it is, because the kingdom of God is within you. Anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. The kingdom of God is right here inside of me. What a gift. What an awesome thing. And make no mistake, if you have asked Jesus Christ into your heart, he lives there. He's made his home there. His kingdom is there. You don't have to search for it. You are a part of it. All you have to do is allow it to come out in your life. Paul said in Philippians 4, 11 through 13, I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. 
probably my most favorite passage in the whole Bible if I had to choose just one. Matthew 6, 25 through 34. Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? Why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. That is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today. And tomorrow's thrown into the fire. Will he not much more clothe you, or you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Life's hard enough without worrying about things that aren't important, things that we think we need. All that really matters is living for God and allowing his kingdom to live in our hearts and our lives. Jesus said in John 14, verse 12, I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these. If you're doing the things of God in your life, if you're seeking his kingdom and his righteousness, and living your life by his truth. You will have life into the full, abundantly. Abundant life right here on earth. Jesus says, I am the life. Because he is the creator of life. He will fulfill our life not only throughout eternity, but right here and right now. Jesus is the one and only life. If you have an emptiness in your heart, let the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit take up that emptiness. Let them make their home in your heart. Don't walk out of those doors today unless you know beyond the shadow of a doubt that the kingdom of God is in your heart. That you know one and only way, the one and only truth, and the one and only life. If Jesus has made his home in your heart, my question for you, my challenge for you is, how much room does he have? Does he have all of your heart or just a little corner? Is he confined to a very small portion of your life that you let him have? When others look at you, do they see the kingdom of God or do they see the kingdom of you? Let's pray.
Lord God Almighty. Again, Lord, when I think about the fact that the creator of all things, the God of the universe, the God of all creation, loves me, cares about me, wants to live in my heart, wants me to be with him forever. It blows my mind, God. It's beyond my comprehension. It's beyond my understanding. Because I know that I'm not a very lovable person. I'm not very righteous. I'm not very holy. I also know by the blood of Jesus Christ that that's how you see me, as righteous, as holy, as clean. Lord God, there are so many lies in this world today. There are so many people who have no idea what the truth is. I pray that you give them wisdom, that you would open their eyes and you would open their hearts to the truth. And that you would give us the boldness, Lord, to proclaim that truth. To speak against the lies that are being told. To be an example. To show what it is to have the kingdom of God now, right here on earth, in our hearts, in our lives. So that others can see and feel the love of Jesus Christ. So that others would want the kingdom of God in their hearts and in their lives, Lord. Father, we praise you, we honor you, and we glorify you. We ask you, Lord, to help us to do that each and every day. To realize that our bodies are your temple. They're your home. They're where you live. And we should treat them and use them as such. Lord, help us to give you our complete temple. Not just a small room. Not just a little part of it, but everything. Help us to give you control, God. So that we would truly be the people that you've called us to be. That we would truly walk as Jesus did. That when people look at us, they would see not the kingdom of Phil, but the kingdom of Jesus Christ. In his name I pray. Amen.